Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Thursday, June 24th in the year 2021. This is the Mike Abadir Show, and I am Mike Abadir. Glad to have you with us today, as always. We've got a good show today. My right-hand man, Gino Bacola, is going to be efforting to get online with us today. He's having some technical issues. They're working on it. We hope to have him next to me in a few short minutes and we will be having a recurring guest. He's our boxing correspondent, Pop DiBiase. He's going to be joining us. He's with Prime Wave Media. For the boxing fans that are out there, check him out. He goes to just about every fight live for coverage, exclusive interviews, etc. So if you guys are kind of boxing nuts out there, he's a pretty good follow on Twitter. And, uh, you know, his weekly show, his boxing updates, terrific. Plenty to talk about today in the world of sports. A little bit of baseball, some baseball headlines, Max Scherzer, sticky substances on baseballs. We're going to talk a little bit of NBA playoffs, very competitive series that have gotten started in each of the conference finals so far. Talk a little Olympics, too. Uh, I don't know if you guys are even aware. Maybe you've seen it on the ticker, the bottom of ESPN or Fox Sports. Olympics are coming. They were supposed to be held last year, but because of the pandemic, got pushed out to this year. So we'll spend a moment or two on that. May even give you guys a little crypto update as well. So we've kind of been talking a little bit of cryptocurrency here and there. Let's start, though, with baseball. Oh, and I mentioned boxing at the top. We'll also talk a little bit about the Lomachenko fight once we have Pop DiBiase on with us. So... Let's go to America's pastime. Let's talk a little baseball. Before I get to the standings and just kind of how things are shaking out so far, and look, we're late June. We're about to get to July. I can't believe it. This year has just flown by. But teams kind of now know who they are, what they are, whether they have a legit chance or they have to be sellers. This is the next 30 days are buyer or seller month that's what's coming up here you got a few days to assess it during the all-star break you got to make some quick very important decisions that could shape the future of your franchise not only for this year but for years to come because baseball unlike most other major sports here have a true minor league system and the coveted prospects they come cheap very cheap for these teams and they got the control So you'd rather have prospects with upside than maybe a superstar. A great example of that is Boston Red Sox with Mookie Betts. And I'll talk about that a little bit later, too, because initially there was a lot of, uh, you know, heartache in uh, Red Sox Nation about losing Mookie Betts. And for good reason. He's a fantastic player. He's a good guy. He's exciting to watch. Probably the best player in the American League um, outside of Mike Trout. Um, They're I guess you could say they're neck and neck, but just a defensive wizard and really manned uh, the outfield so well at Fenway Park. 
But I don't know. I'm starting to see maybe a slight decline. You know, he's not one of those guys uh, with a big stature. And I've noticed that sometimes those guys lack longevity. Their body just can't take it. And keep in mind, a lot of people think, well, baseball isn't like football. But it's a lot more physical than you think. And you're using a lot of different muscles than the other sports. In other words, you're sliding. You risk your feet, your ankles, your wrists, other body parts, your head, right? How about throwing? Your rotator cuff. When you're at bat, that's been a dangerous thing to do anyways. But you could get nailed in the ribs or uh, maybe foul something off of your body part. Maybe you break a finger or two. Most baseball players have at least uh, dislocated a finger or two or more during their careers. So the game takes a beating on you. And from that respect, I think that maybe the best years are behind Mookie Betts. And I spent some time talking about that mainly because that's kind of how you have to evaluate the next 30 days. Take inventory as to who we have, how long we think we're going to get production out of them, what is the upside of keeping them, knowing that free agency may hit at the end of the year or the year after, versus some prospects. And are they can't-miss prospects? Are they guys that fill a position of our need? How quickly do we think, do we project that they'd be called up to make an impact? All sorts of factors go into this. If you saw earlier this year, the Mariners brought up their hotshot prospect, and he was terrible. I think he went one for his first 41 at bats, and then they just sent him back down. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. A couple of years ago, it worked out with the Braves with Austin Riley. Uh, he had a really long electric surge, and then he just kind of fizzled out. Now he's back to kind of performing again. It's really tough. They put a lot of pressure on these guys. But that's kind of the uh, the gist of the trade deadline and what we're about to approach here over the next 30 days. With that said, let's talk a little bit about the standings and see if your team feels comfortable with where they are or what they need to do. Right now, there are two teams that are clearly, clearly the best two teams in baseball, at least recently. Now, I'm not saying they're the most well-rounded teams. They're just playing the best baseball so far, especially over the last couple of weeks. I'm talking about the Astros, who are really, really sizzling. They're winners of 10 in a row. And more impressively is that their run differential is plus 135. I mean, that blows anybody else out of the water. So they're really, really destroying teams. They're not just winning. They're crushing teams it's very impressive and i know that during their streak they've faced kind of some inferior teams but hey look they're pros uh anytime you're going up against another pro team you still got to get that w it's never a sure thing especially in baseball and you know you're supposed to win but it doesn't always happen that way so very impressive the job that dusty baker is doing he's on his way to getting another uh, manager of the year award if this sustains Astros are the only team, by the way, that are above a 600 winning percent right now as we speak before game time. They are sitting at 622 in terms of the win percentage. Right behind them are the Oakland A's, same division, division rivals. They're at a 597 win percent. And very tightly contested, 
the next slot would be from the American League East and the American League Central. The Red Sox and White Sox with a 595 winning percentage. And then rounding out the top five are the Rays. They're sitting there at 587, ready to strike. They had a tough series with the Red Sox. Uh, believe they split that series, but we got to see a superstar in the making in Wander Franco. More about him in a bit, but if you haven't seen him yet, man, he is the real deal. Probably one of the more hyped prospects in a long time, and deservedly so. This kid is maybe like Griffey Jr. in terms of raw talent. And I'm calling him a kid because, you know, he could have been called up at 19. I believe he's 20 right now. And his first game, he really showed us stuff. Defensively and offensively, he uh, had a three-run home run in a very, very key moment for the Rays, as well as a... uh, important double. So he came up really, really clutch for the Rays. Impressive opening ball game, first MLB game for him. Will be interesting to see how he's able to perform as the rigorous schedule of the MLB season goes on for the boys of summer. Now, before I get to the National League, there's two other things that I want to mention, which are this. I want to give you guys a long shot team that's not in that top five right now to look out for. Now, this team that I'm going to talk about here isn't scary pitching-wise. But they're loaded with offense. And in the American League, pretty much any of the second-tier teams outside of the Indians have the same problem, where they've got offense, but the hole is in their pitching. So if everybody's kind of even, let's just say, in terms of pitching quality, subpar pitching quality, then whoever has the best offense presumably should win, right? Should win out. And to me, that's the Toronto Blue Jays. And keep in mind, they are, they've kind of been hovering around 500 for a majority of the season. They're kind of hanging in there. They're starting to peak right now. Vlad Guerrero is really, really finding his groove. And now that they've won four in a row, the Blue Jays find themselves two games above 500. They're still back of the Yankees and looking up at the Rays and Red Sox. But I'm going to make a prediction here. They're going to overtake the New York Yankees. Sorry, Yankees fans. I know that you're very unhappy with me saying that. You probably think I'm crazy. You probably think it's ridiculous. But let's be real honest here, guys. After Cole, there's a huge drop-off in pitching. Huge. So, yeah, you may have one of the best pitchers in baseball. But what else do you have? Ironically, the answer before was, well, it doesn't matter because we've got Stanton and Judge and Gary Sanchez and uh, LeMahieu and all these guys offensively. We're going to be able to score runs in bunches, outscore our opponents. And it's not going to matter if after Cole, we have guys with a high three, low four ERA. Well, guess what? The Yankees. <laughs> with that vaunted offense there's only three they've only outscored three teams in the american league and it's the worst three teams they've only outscored detroit the orioles and the texas rangers so detroit scored 293 runs on the season baltimore 294 texas 298 and the yankees 300 so they haven't even been hitting the ball they're not scoring runs 
They're one of the worst offensive teams in the game, and they got no pitching. So forget that they're the pin, team of pinstripes and the team with the most championships of all time. Forget about that, all that for a minute. Forget about the major media market, New York, that they're a trendy team in the Northeast, that there's an East Coast bias that loves the Yankees, and let's just pretend that they're the Milwaukee Brewers. Nobody would even be talking about them right now because they're not even talking about the Brewers, and the Brewers are first place in their division. So that's kind of my proof of what I'm talking about, that this team is the definition of overrated. So I think the Blue Jays are going to overtake the Yankees if you have any in-game wagering, if that's what they call it, or in-season wagering, if that's what they call it. Maybe throw a few shekels down on the Blue Jays. Wouldn't be the worst stab in the world. Let's go over to the National League, and then we'll talk about the uh, Scherzer controversy, the pitching substance controversy in that whole situation, even though Gino and I have touched on it several times over the last couple of weeks, the story just doesn't seem to go away because MLB is going about the issue the wrong way completely. In the national league uh, at the top, I said that there were two teams that were ultra, ultra impressive so far that have really identified themselves and stand out as the best teams in baseball it was the Astros in the American League. In the National League, it has to be the San Francisco Giants, the surprise team of all of baseball. I don't know a single person that predicted them to be in first place over the Padres and over the Dodgers. If there's somebody out there, please let me know. I will give them major, major props, major kudos, and ask them how the hell did they know. Because it doesn't seem like anybody knew. I was the first to be critical of Gabe Kapler. Who I loved as a ball player, he played on my beloved Red Sox. So I've always liked Gabe. He's an LA guy. I'm an LA guy. I'm down with Gabe Kapler. But he hadn't done a good job with the Phillies. I didn't think he had done any kind of thing that warranted his managerial ship with the Giants so far. But yet, this team is sitting atop the National League with the best record in all of baseball. So in professional baseball, there's no team that has better win percentage than the San Francisco Giants. They're sitting at 649 winning percent. What's impressive to me is that they've actually played six more games on the road than at home so far this year. They got 24 wins at home, 24 wins on the road, but it's going to even out the uh, the uh, Number of games on at home will even out eventually because they'll have 81 and 81. But right now they've played six more on the road. So that's a major sense of optimism for Giants fans. They've got that kind of record. They've got more home games than road games left. Hey, man, I'd be smiling in San Francisco too. This is a pretty good situation for them. Unfortunately for them, they've got the two best teams in baseball right behind them. So that's kind of the scary part. So they've, they've built up a little bit of a cushion and the NL West, but they've got two monsters breathing down their neck. I think if they were in any other division, they would probably be pretty comfortable. If they were in the NL East, they'd surely be comfortable. Uh, they'd have 10 more wins than division leader over there, the New York Mets. But right now, they've got a four-game lead in the National League, and I think if you had asked them at the beginning of the year, they would have said, we will take it. We will take it in a heartbeat. They would have asked, is that a four-game lead over both the Padres and the Dodgers, or just one of them? Well, it's both. 
The Dodgers are sitting four back. The Red Hot Padres are four and a half back. So they've bridged the gap between them and Los Angeles considerably because they just swept them at Petco Park. Now, they didn't blow them out. But a sweep is a sweep. And they were dominant pitching-wise. And they did what they needed to do offensively. You score more runs than the other team, you win games. You outpitch other teams, and and you get yourself three runs when you only need two. That works. So far, you give them a lead going into the last inning, they'll probably be uh, pretty comfortable because Mark Melanson has been lights out as a closer. Their middle relief has been good. Their starting pitching has been good. A lot of people are really, really hard on Blake Snell, and deservingly so. The guy is a master of the first five innings, doesn't give you any kind of depth, doesn't give you any kind of uh, inning-eating potential. But in the first five, there's been nobody better over the last few years. The thing is, he changed leagues, came over to the NL, studying new hitters, new ballparks, getting familiar with the defense behind him, with the players that are behind him, with the new manager. It's all foreign coming from the East Coast to the West Coast, right? Now, you may say, well, he's getting paid a lot of money, so who cares? Well, yeah, you're right, but still has to adjust, still has to make the adjustment, still has to adapt, and still has to get out. And so far, I would I will say this. He's stunk on the road, but he's actually been really good at home. I mean, really, really good at home. A lot better than people would realize. I think if you guys look at the numbers for Blake Snell, his splits, home and road, it's pretty impressive. So Gino's usually more of the wagering guy than I am. But for anybody that wagers out there, keep that in mind. You know, maybe he's a bet against when he's on the bump on the road. And they might be, a, you know, a, a minus one and a half type of team when he's pitching at home. Because he's been that impressive. Teams have not been able to get uh, across home plate very often. When he's on the mound, like I said, though, he usually you're you're good for five rare that he gets a six. He never gets a seven, eight and nine innings. Just it just doesn't happen. That's just not his game. So he goes balls to the walls for the first five and then he's done. Let's save the sticky substance controversy until after the break. We'll break that down a little bit. No pun intended. We'll talk about the solution that I gave Manfred, that Gino and I talked about, two weeks in a row. They would have just listened to us. They wouldn't have this controversy. But instead, they're checking pitchers after every inning. I mean, that is the most ridiculous thing that they could possibly impose on professional athletes. A glove check, ball cap check, check your uniform for sticky substances. Stay with us. We will be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. 
The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Spin rate, spin rate, spin rate. It's all it seems like we've been hearing about since the start of the season. The pitchers and their spin rate. And what does that all mean? And the number of RPMs and the number of spins and all this kind of stuff. As if I could really even analyze what the heck 2,600 spins is versus 2,300. I mean, does it even make any kind of logical sense to the layperson? I don't know. But I do know this. Trevor Bauer was kind of the lead man involved in that. He'd been boasting about his spin rate for a while now on social media. And he was attributing that talent, that skill set, to much of his success. Now, that may be true. Now, here's the thing. If I'm boasting about something like that, then it probably means that I'm doing it legally, right? Wouldn't make too much sense that I've got this, like, secret weapon, this, like, sticky substance... And I'm getting this great spin rate. And I'm going out of my way to tell people about it. I'm not saying that's what he's doing. But it very well could be. And I'll tell you why. Because Trevor Bauer, his spin rate has gone down now three games in a row. And I'm talking dramatically. There's a big, obvious decline three games in a row for Trevor Bauer and his spin rate. It just happens to coincide with much of this hoopla and attention that Major League Baseball is putting on pitchers and what's legal and what's not, what kind of substances can be used and what's not. 
And to me, I'm just mesmerized that they can't find a better solution than to check pitchers after each and every inning. And we're joined now by my man, Pop DiBiase, who is a big Dodger fan, who watches each and every outing for Trevor Bauer. He's going to probably want to defend the guy, but for a guy, Pop, that's been boasting about his spin rate, making it seem like that's just his natural skill set, but then once baseball starts checking, his spin rate goes down three games in a row. What say you, man? What gives here? Um, I guess his exercises that he does before the game aren't working well enough. You know, Trevor <laughs> Bowers uh, has all those scientific workouts and things of that nature that um, he brings to the table. So maybe they're, they're not working as well as they usually do well. Um, I just pretty much think that it's just going to be an adjustment for him. You know, it's been raised down a little bit, but that doesn't mean anything at the end of the day. I think he's still a great pitcher, and he's still going to be able to figure out ways to get out and things things like that. And I'm honestly thinking once the, the situation slows down, because MLB is going to have to check themselves with this, is because it's an invasion of privacy at the same time, too. And I know that a lot of people are like, well, you might not be happy about it, but thing is, though, it's going to slow down the game, and anything that slows down the game is something that's not good for the game. So I think at the end of the day, it I, he's still going to be a great pitcher, and things are going to work out very well for him. But at the end of the day, it's going to be, hey, it's going to be all eyes on Trevor and seeing if his spin rate's going to be right. You know what I mean? So, well, the interesting so thing about that's it, what Pop, I'm looking at. Well, yeah, you know, the interesting thing about it is this. So we have these guys checking pitchers every inning, the umpires, that is. But we had a situation the other day, and you and I talked about it on your show yesterday, a situation that was very interesting because it wasn't the umpires requesting to get Max Scherzer checked. It was Joe Girardi, the manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. He's the one that called for it to, uh, to be done an additional time, even though he was just checked. Now, Girardi's explanation after the game was, that he noticed something. He noticed something that was very, well, not to be redundant, but noticeable. And who am I to question a guy who probably knows the spin of the ball better than anybody, being a a former catcher with the New York Yankees and Cubs, and he's been a manager in this game for a really, really long time. But the question really is, should managers be able to kind of, you know, lob an inquiry, so to speak, just like the umpires can. Now, how many people are going to be doing that? Can the assistant coaches, you know, can the bench coaches? I mean, where do you, where do you kind of stop? Or does that have to all be funneled through the manager? I don't know, man. It's a slippery slope. You know what I mean, Pop? Right. I'm, I, I, I want to hire the spy. Since MLB is so concerned, hire somebody sitting in the dugout. So each dugout, you got somebody yeah. sitting in there. But <laughs> right. what about the guy who comes comes out of the locker room with something kind of like s- stuffed in his shoe or stirrup or something? I mean, a spy can oh. only do so much is what I'm thinking. Right. Right. See, once again, invasion of privacy, Mike. We're not letting the game be the game. Well, did you hear That's what Pedro said? Issue. Did you hear what Pedro said on MLB Network? 
He was like, if I was dealing with this crap, I'd pull my pants down. (laughs) He probably would. He's like, I'll pull my pants down, man. He was really frustrated. He's like, all right, you want to check? Go ahead and check you. You know, it's like, come on. I was trying to think of the equivalent in another sport. And the best kind of analogy or comparison I could think of was, imagine if after every offensive drive, the NFL refs inspect like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. You know, you're not letting them go sit down on the bench with their, you know, uh, quarterback coach and looking at pictures and film and their iPad and breaking down defenses. You're like, hey, hold up before you get to that water. Let me inspect you. Right. Let me inspect your right. ball if it's deflated uh, after each and every right. drive. And now TV timeouts are a little bit longer because you have this inspection. I mean, I was trying to think of the equivalency. I mean, it would be something like that. And that would be ridiculous. Wouldn't that be absurd? Yes. Do you want to watch football? I mean, football is it's kind of play-by-play as it is anyways. It's not a fluid game. You know, you don't want to slow it down anymore. Right. You want it to be as quick as possible, you know? It just doesn't right. make any sense to keep up. Yeah, it doesn't. And... You know, we just living in a new world. That's all it is, Mike. That's all I can say. It's like we lost ML. We almost lost MLB last year for our whole season, but we still got to play it. And then the hitter, them, you know, they're looking at batting averages right now, though, Mike. You know, what I mean, come on, the fifth best batting average in the MLB is two forty eight. That's terrible. Because you know we're we're above the Mendoza line, but geez, Louise, like that batting average is barely has you in the league. It's crazy, so, man. I don't think I've I ever think remembered a time. Too. Yeah, I don't remember a time where I've seen so many guys batting like 220, but with like a decent yeah. amount of home runs and RBI. I'm like, what in the world? This does not make any sense to me. It doesn't jive with me at all. And uh, right. you know, I don't care what the analytics says. Batting average means something. It means you're hitting the ball and getting on base. How can that not be right. something? Right. Uh, I get it. Home runs right. are meaningful. But why can't you be? Why can't you hit for a high average and hit a lot of home runs? Todd Helton did it. Don Mattingly did right. it. Ken Griffey Jr. did it. Right? There's Barry Bonds did it. Barry Bonds. One of the things he's kind of underrated about is how much he got on base with right. a high batting average, with intentional walks, and with a great eye. Right now, he may have had a little help along the way, but point being, both can be done at the same time. So. You know, I know that there was last year, it seemed like the buzzword was launch angle. This year, the buzzword is spin rate. I kind of want it to go back to just playing baseball, man. Just playing baseball. Who can hit the best? Who can get the other team to swing and miss? Right. Now, with that said, I had a solution. Gino and I talked about it. We offered it up to Manfred. We told Manfred's office, listen. Mike Abadier's got the solution to your problem. So listen up, commissioner's office. Let the pitchers go to their mouth. Right now they can't. And what I mean is, you've seen the guys, right? They're uh, middle finger and index finger, right? Put them to your mouth. Give it a little lick. You do that for the grip. And by and large, by the way, you don't hear a lot of the players complaining about the spin rate, uh, the hitters complaining about spin rate. 
they actually, in a weird way, like it when a pitcher does use something because it generally speaking means the pitcher has more control over the ball and where the ball is going to go and where it's going to end up and where it's not going to end up, hopefully, which is, you know, right in the ears, hitting them right. in the head. So let them go to their, let them go to their mouth pop and then maybe offer like every team, the umpires bring out a rosin bag for each pitcher. You leave it on the uh, side of the bump, right on the pitching's mound. Every inning, both teams use the same one, or maybe even each team gets their own individual one, but it doesn't go back into the dugout. It just stays on a mound. You could touch that as many times as you want. They'll agree on what kind of substance that they put on there, whether it's uh, pine tar or whatever it is that they agree on. Each team gets to use the same thing and go to their mouth. We don't stop the game at all. Everybody is even-handedly you know, uh, dealt with the same, dealing with the same set of rules and let's play ball. What do you think about that? Well, this is what I'm thinking that you're right on the money about that, Mike, you know, that's a, that's a fair way to have everybody still do their thing. You still gonna let the batter, you know, shine up his bat or whatever he does before the game and, you know, put a donut on the bat. So the bat can be lighter as well too. A lot of people, um, if you didn't, if people didn't know what the donut is for, is to make sure the bat is at its absolute lightest when you're swinging it. So, you know, you have that portion as well too. You know, so you know you can still have the advantages of the game, but you can have somebody kind of monitoring it a little bit better. But I just really think that whoever blew the whistle on this one was a pretty pissed off person. That's all it is. I suspect. That it was a combination of things, and I think you kind of hit on it. I think a big part of it was the batting averages are way down, and strikeouts right. are way up, right? Strikeouts are way up, and strikeouts are exciting when you have, like, one or two pitchers on your team that are, like, strikeout artists. You know, going back right. in the day, it's like you have a Nolan Ryan, and then you have, like, some junk ball pitchers, etc. But Right. We're on the path of like having a whole pitching staff that each has over 200 Ks. I mean, which is unheard of. Right. That doesn't work like that. That's never worked like that. It's never been like that, I should say. It works well for a pitcher, but it's never been like that. And the problem with strikeouts or too many strikeouts is you're not putting the ball in play. And if you're not putting the ball in play, then you're not getting, to, you're missing out on potential exciting home run robbing center fielders. And great dives by a third baseman, you know, uh, amazing plays by the shortstop, double plays by the second baseman, a stretch out by the first baseman, a gun out from left field, nailing somebody at home plate. You don't get those things. You, you, there's a massive decline in all of that stuff because players are just striking out. They're not putting the ball in play. That right. in turn has led to lower batting averages. So it, uh, it's all kind of connected, and maybe it was somebody that blew the whistle, like you said, um, but it just might be that, you know, the powers uh, to be just don't like this brand of baseball because a lot of people kind of don't. Right. They don't like the, the fact that the pitcher is dominant. That's the whole thing. And the pitcher is not dominant in a sense where he's overpowering the guy. He's outthinking the guy. That's the whole thing. And this is and this is not the pitcher's fault though either. This is from different teams when different 
different ways that they approach the game. As oh, you know, yeah. the launch angle is a big is a big deal. You know what I mean? And the launch angle could be a reason why because the launch angle leads to a lot of pop ups. You know, so that's <laughs> sorry. So that makes that's, that's a great I point. Think. So you're saying that's a factor for the low averages as well. Right. It just can't be on the pitcher. You know what I mean? That's that's just that's not fair, you know? Because there's pitchers out there like Jose Urania, who's pitching today. He's absolutely awful. You know what I mean? The guy was in Florida. He was bad. The guy's in Detroit now. He's bad. You know what I mean? I'm like, how does he keep getting jobs? Well, he keeps getting jobs because he's able to make the team out of spring training. It's that simple. You know what I mean? But doesn't mean that he's going to overwhelm you or anything like that. But say if he has a good day, then people might look at it a little suspicious. But I might look at it and say, you know what? The guy is having a good day today, and that's what you do is when you have a good day, you have a good day because you have the professional level for a reason. And that's what a lot of people have to understand as well, too. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a very reasonable point. You make a lot of sense there. And, you know, sometimes it's just on the – hitters stinking up the joint or their strategy with the launch angle like you said uh, mm-hmm. the shift the shift also has a big part of it as well not so much with the strikeouts but with the lower batting averages I've got a solution for that one as well you know I, I told Manfred's office to listen carefully once again because I can fix the shift problem and it's this it's kind of like you know um, man in motion in football you know, typically speaking, right. it's a wide receiver or, or a tight end or something like H-back or somebody. Right. So, w- w- and and everybody's got to be, you know, set, so on and so forth. How about the shortstop? If I'm the shortstop and I'm looking at home plate in my position, I can never be on the left side of the bag until the pitcher releases the ball. So once a pitcher releases it, I could go over to where the shift would want me. And if you're the second baseman right. looking at home plate, you can never be on the right side of second base until the pitcher releases the ball. Now, if you want, you could be really close. You could almost be right down the center, standing there waiting to right. run fast. You could even get a running start, distract the hitter, and maybe even, you know, kind of like you see right now, infielders creeping in a little bit as the delivery is happening instead how about like a man in motion and you start going from your natural shortstop position heading towards the other side of second base that's fine too you just have this imaginary line that you cannot cross until the pitcher is released the pitch is released from the pitcher's hand i think that would solve the problem it also be kind of exciting too what say you Yeah, I think it would. It'd be great for the game because the game needs all types of excitement to it. You know what I mean? You love fans could be, you know, uh, a little bit more dancing in the crowd and stuff like that. You know, you love to see some more stuff like that. Like if we're at a Puerto Rican or game or a Dominican game. So you want to bring some more excitement into this game as well, too. The Japanese and the Koreans have done it as well, too, uh, bringing more excitement into their game with different type of rules, different type of situations. So, uh, yeah, I think baseball should be accepting to anything that evolves the sport. At the, this, the, the, the checking the pitcher's substances, that's not evolving the sport. That's just policing the sport. And I think at the end of the day, 
What you need to police is what's going on in that trainer's room, not what's going on on the field. You know what I mean? The trainer's room is a big, big, big reason why a lot of these players are as good as they are. Because I don't want to be sad, but we all know that the monkey is. We all know that the elephant in the room hasn't left yet. The things that that have pretty much made Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire's careers kind of questionable, but we saw them play. We know how good they are. We know that they're Hall of Famers, but you got got to always remember what's going on in the training room. You know what I mean? So that's my whole two cents on it. That's why I say that you can't police the pitchers like that until you start policing actually what's going on inside those training rooms because you guys still getting busted for uh, substance abuse. I mean, uh, Washington's best player was out 80 games last year, Soto. So, you know, it's not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Manny Ramirez has been telling his career, uh, what was it, uh, baby? Uh, it was uh, it was human. It was some about some human or some female or or yeah, female about, uh, fertility uh, fertility drug. Or yeah, something. fertility fertility drugs. Okay, so he's literally trying to you know feed off of doses of a fetus, I guess, or something. So it is what it is. <laughs> at the end of the day, Mikey, I think that <laughs> that uh, you know pretty much the there's there's some fun rules that can be added to the MLB. But in my opinion, just leave my pitchers alone. Because I was Agreed. a pitcher. Leave them alone. Yep, I agree with you, man. You made pitch. some brilliant, brilliant points there. And that's why we bring on Pop DiBiase to deliver the goods. We have to take a quick commercial timeout. We'll be back for the closing segment, talk a little NBA action and uh, what we can look for with this weekend's Lomachenko fight. Stay with us. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies radio show with John Inglehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel find out what's happening on the voice america talk radio network by keeping up with us on twitter you can find us at voice america trn streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. 
back for the final segment on the Mike Abadir Show. It is Mike Abadir with our special guest, a recurring regular on the show, Pop DiBiase of Prime Wave Media, boxing analyst, baseball guru, football handicapper, Santa Anita insider. There's too many titles to be able to list. You got to look them up, see for yourself, because this guy is an encyclopedia of sports. I did say at the top of the show that I was going to mention crypto for a quick moment. All I was going to say about that is this. We are in a very, very heavy, steep decline right now. The markets are stinking up the joint. Now, today, there's been a little, little bit of optimism, and we're in the green for a lot of them. But don't panic. Don't sell at a loss. Just hang in there unless you absolutely need that money. Hang in there because it's going to turn back around. And I'm always going to show the 100X coin. Speaking of the 100X coin at the break, Pop and I were just talking about uh, one of the trainers that you know is a business partner of Pop and a sponsor of his show, Doug O'Neill, two-time Kentucky Derby winning trainer. And the 100X coin is looking to maybe... Maybe partner up. I'll save that as a surprise for later if it comes to fruition. But just think trainer, horse racing, maybe two-year-olds. We will see. And Pop is a very, very integral part of possibly making that happen. But that's for another conversation, Pop. I just wanted to give everybody a quick update on that. Let's get to the NBA, my friend, because... Monty Williams and the Phoenix Suns are laying the wood to the L.A. Clippers. Trey Young is absolutely dynamite. Went in. This is a game that I thought the Bucks could blow out the Hawks because the Bucks have been there. They're the ones that have some experience, like you and I talked about yesterday. And that uh, the Atlanta Hawks are just too fresh and too new. Sometimes, if you don't know any better, that might be the best way to handle pressure, I guess, because the Bucks, who are supposed to be one of the best home teams in the National Basketball Association, got lit up by the Hawks, and Trey Young went off for 48. Him and DeAndre Ayton of the Suns have been the two most impressive players. They both hail from the same draft, by the way. And uh, let's start with the Suns, the job Monty Williams is doing, and uh, the historic postseason that DeAndre Ayton is having. Pop, I don't know if you know this or not, if you saw this stat. Ayton is the first player in the shot clock era, which is basically post-1954, to have a 70% field goal clip in any 12-game postseason span. Now think about that for a minute. In any 12-game span, nobody's been able to have a 70% or above field goal percentage. You know, Shaquille O'Neal would hit like 58%, people going crazy. 70%. We're talking about Wilt Chamberlain. We're talking about Kareem. We're talking about Michael Jordan. We're talking about Hakeem Olajuwon. A lot of big men on that list, obviously, because usually the big men get the highest field goal percentage. But 70% over a 12-game period, never been done, Pop, in the postseason. DeAndre Aiden is, is the key. I'm telling and B, I know, and you were on my show yesterday. I told you, they're not in this position without DeAndre Aiden. Period, point blank. Yeah, Chris Paul could do as much yelling and coaching as he wants to, but they need that dude who's getting the, the rebounds, the points, the blocks, 
steals, whatever they need him to do. And he's not a guy that's just a four foot in guy. He's a guy that can go fit. He can go fifteen out. He can hit an occasional three. You know, um, has a bit of a David Robinson game to him a little bit, Mike. You know what I mean? The way that he runs the floor as well too. And it was almost like the Clippers couldn't get anything home when they went to the hoop, and he was down there protecting that house. And he made a lot of one-and-done situations on the Clippers as well, too, in that game. So DeAndre Aiden is a force to be reckoned with, and they're going to have to do something to keep him in check um, if they really want to be in this series. Now, Trey Young, on the other hand, he had one of those jaw-dropping, you-don't-say-a-word-after-we-got-done games. And literally, they were down most of the night, and Trey Young was able to push them to victory there at the end. He did have help at the end, though. John Collins was huge in the second half. But Trey Young was the guy that made the Bucks work and work and work and work some more until the point to where they won the game by three points. So this is an incredible playoff because it's an unpredictable playoff. And everybody's asked, have you ever seen a uh, playoff like this one? Well, not really. The thing is, you know, as Jordan left, you know, the Knicks were the perennial favorites. They got to the finals. They lost. But the surprise team was the Rockets, though. We can both agree on that, Mike. Because the Rockets were good, but the best team that season in the Western Conference was San Antonio Spurs. And Hakeem went in there and uh, made, uh, made a, and sent a message. And he totally did. And um, that's exactly what happened in that situation is that he sent a message. And the Seattle Supersonics, you remember, were lost in the first round that year. So that's so they kind of are playing into the part of like what the Bucks did. You know what I mean, Mike? Um, where you you kind of were been hanging around a little bit. You had a player who was already MVP, and then now you find yourself here in the race to get to the finals. You know, and that's the Bucks remind me of a the kind of the, the '90s Rockets a little bit that they're finally at their moment. Or they could be the '90s Spurs, but just like the uh, the, jazz, the Jazz as well too, they were able to finally work themselves in there as well too in the late '90s after waiting their turn. So it's crazy because it's just the parody of the Western Conference I'm seeing at this point in time. When you look at it, you know you're not going to have three different teams, but you're going to have different teams regardless this year playing in the finals, and that's what makes it oh so sweet. You know, one of the uh, regular listeners to the show, a close, uh, close person in my life, uh, Will Fami, he won a uh, one of our contests. I don't even remember which one it was. It might have been the NFL contest or fantasy football. or We do a lot of contests throughout the year. And uh, so mm-hmm. we bring on our uh, guests um, after they win. That's, you know, they get their, their 100 bucks or 200 bucks or whatever place they finish and they also come on for a guest segment and uh, i was talking to him yesterday and he actually was on the money line for the hawks not just the what what was spread eight points eight and a half something like that he was on both he was on the money line and on the uh point spread of course to you know basically he was thinking that they're going to go in there and steal this game so i think the real question then is how does the rest of the series play out Mm-hmm. You know, what do the Hawks now? I mean, it's obviously, you know, they now have the home field kind of advantage shift back to them. How does the rest of this series play out? Do you think that the Hawks are going to 
basically upset this team and get to the finals? Something they couldn't do with Dominique? I'll be dead honest with you, Mike. Nope. This is what happened. Hawks have won every game won in the playoffs this year, okay? Trey Young played out of his mind last night. But Drew Holiday, over time, will outstrength Trey Young. Trey Young's due for a bad game, and I think that's coming up next. So, I'm telling you now, Mike, I think that the game one in this series is irrelevant, to be honest with you. I think it was a great, a great effort from the Hawks last night, but the Bucks made mistakes that can be easily fixed and could have turned that into the same same twelve point victory that you were looking for last night. Because you know it was coming, Mike. It was close. They were up six, seven points at the end, at, in the fourth quarter. All what happened was they started settling on threes, getting cute, and Giannis didn't take over the game like he was supposed to. Giannis has to finish teams off. It's, it's that simple. You can't keep throwing the ball to the three-point man, da 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 Just take your butt to the rim, finish the game off like King James used to do it, like Kareem used to do it, like Magic used to do it, like all the guys who are MVPs do it. Just finish them off. Stop having so much mercy for these teams. That's my And that's my last two cents for today, Mike. Well, you know, you make a really good point about uh, Giannis for sure. I mean, that killer instinct um, needs to be sharpened or honed in or or developed or whatever you want to call it. Uh, here's the thing. The Hawks are now playing with the house money. So if they lose the next game, hey, no problem. Series tied 1-1. We go back to for some home cooking. But if they steal game two and are able to go back home for that home cooking, their own bed, their wives and girlfriends, and have that 2-0 lead, man, that that will be very telling to me because I don't think the Bucks would be able to recover from that. I just don't think so. I think there's something in this world, in this pro sports world called momentum, and it would clearly be with the Atlanta Hawks. So very interesting playoff so far, man. Like you said, a lot of upsets. It's kind of more like March Madness than the NBA playoffs because NBA playoffs are usually chalky. It's usually very, very formful, very, very predictable. Yes. But yeah. not that, not right now. So we've got about right. 45 seconds left before we wrap. I wanted to say a quick thing, which is letting everybody know that there is an Olympics this year. I don't think anybody knows that because nobody's even thinking about the Olympics. But there actually is one. And there's going to be pro basketball players that are over there. So that'll be cool. We always like our dream teams and getting the gold. Uh, but the Japanese emperor. And I forgot that they even have an emperor. I always thought that was a cool name, cool title. <laughs> The emperor is really, really stressed out that he's going to be dealing with a bunch of coronaviruses. So it'll be interesting to see if he puts the, 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 the C block on bringing in all these athletes and fans to his sacred grounds of Japan. That's all the time we have. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Pop. We will be back same time, same place next week. Have a great sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.